As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Spin Rate, presented by Tops. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That's right. This is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and I am so excited to talk with you today about this, a very special Spin Rate edition. It's not, it's not any more special than in any other episode. You know, every episode is special. They're each my beloved children, these Episodes where just me and a guest, but the guest this week is Dan Schulman, who covers the Blue Jays or calls the Blue Jays games for Sportsnet as well as calling baseball for ESPN Radio, former Sunday Night Baseball lead chair for many, many years. The best broadcaster in the game, if you ask me. And and I'm saying that. Uh, I didn't tell him that this time. I told him that once when I met him, the first time I ever met him. I was like, I'm not here a lot, so I want you to know that I think you're the goddamn greatest. And because uh, I do. And then he's on this podcast, which I have maintained a professional uh, veneer, but uh, I'm freaking out a little bit. But anyway, Blue Jay season is over, and I talk with Dan Schulman about that. If you want to get more, you want to dig right in to what happened with the Blue Jays this year, you want to read with Caitlin co-host of Spin Rate, Caitlin McGrath, who covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic. You want to read what she has to say about the Blue Jays, you need to subscribe to The Athletic. By going to theathletic.com slash spin rate. They'll give you a tidy bonus. Sign you up for a year, and then you'll let the bosses know that we sent you, which means a lot to me and keeps them happy and keeps us doing shows like this one. Where with no further ado, we talked to Dan Schulman on this very special, very excited on this end of the microphone edition of Spin Rate. It is my pleasure to welcome you, Mr. Schulman. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure, Drew. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I cannot, I mean, I can complain because when I re- initially we, we talked about doing this, I had really hoped it was going to be like a teeing up the playoffs kind yeah. of show, but yeah. it's not. Uh, I don't think that I, and I, I don't know what you're saying. I mean, we can get into the big picture stuff or we can get into it right now, which is that it, this was quite a stretch and this was quite a, I think, an, uh, uh, something for, for, for baseball fans, Blue Jays fans in particular, obviously really unique coming down to the final day. So I'm going to ask you the big question right off the top. 
was the 2021 season a success for the Toronto Blue Jays? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, can it be a success and a missed opportunity all at the same time, or are those two mutually exclusive? I think that that, that pretty much hits the nail on the head yeah. while somehow simultaneously being two different nails with two different hands. Right. So, you know, 91 wins, Vladdy's year, Bo's year, Teoscar's year, and uh, you're often what accompanies me on my morning dog walk, you and Caitlin. So I know where you stand on a number of things. But, you know, eight months ago, we didn't know Vladdy was going to be this. We didn't know what Bo would be over 162. We didn't know what Teoscar would be over 162. We barely knew anything about Alec Manoa. So, like, there are a lot of real positive stories. And 91 wins is nothing to sneeze at. I think 91 gets you in more often than it doesn't. And I think it's the sixth or seventh best record the Blue Jays have ever had. So yeah, I, I I think it is. It was a successful season, but as big a success as it was is as big a missed opportunity as it was because I think most of us feel. I know I do. I'm sure you do as well. That had they gotten, I said this on the air to Tabby on Sunday. Had they gotten in, who knows, right? I mean, who knows? They were the team nobody wanted to play. And if you don't believe me, you know, look at the fact that the Yankees chose to go to Fenway in that four-way tie scenario. They wanted to go to Fenway and didn't want to come to Toronto. So it's both. It was the highest of highs. And, and, and I think the fact that it was so good and so fun and so exciting is what makes the missed opportunity that much more painful because you don't know if another Simeon season or from him or anybody or Ray, you, you, you don't know if those are coming around again. And, and, um, so I, I think yes to both. It, it's, I, I don't know that I've ever experienced a Blue Jay season like this that had those kinds. Of, I guess 1987 is the one that us old farts talk about, the one that we always remember, because you can't forget up three and a half with seven to go. And that was a great team. Different set of circumstances that year. Fernandez and Witt got hurt in the last 10 days and that kind of torpedoed them. But um, so I would say yes to both. Yes, it was a success. Yes, it was a missed opportunity. And yes, it makes me. Uh, you know, a little uh, a little impatient for the fact that uh, pitchers and catchers are four and a half months away. It feels like that's going to be a long time. It's going to be an eternity is what it's going to be. But mm-hmm. I think that that if you, you, you said it exactly right, if we sat here in, in March and I said and you said that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to hit 48 home runs, he's going to have a 1000 OPS. Yeah. Marcus Simeon is going to have a set like an, have an eight win year. But Bo, Bobichet's going to be. Like the platonic idea of Bobichet, he's not. He might walk fifty times, but he he's going to hit all the things that are going to happen, and they're going to win ninety-one games. We'd be we'd be laughing. We'd be like, okay, the, we'd sign up in we're, a heartbeat. Yeah, we're we are preparing for the playoffs because yeah. that all signs lead to that. And there's only like at the end of the day, there's only so much that you can control as as a team. And I, did anyone expect the Red Sox to win ninety-two games? I don't think that that I didn't. I don't think the Red Sox did yeah. as well. So. I, at the beginning of the season, I said that I thought that it would be a disappointment if they missed the playoffs, but I don't think that I could be, uh, you know, other than if I was like my friend Blake and I'm like a morning talk show, like hot take guy now, but uh, I don't think you can say that. I don't think you can say it was a disappointment. It's disappointing, but the all all the arrows are pointing up and everything from a fan perspective feels has to feel great. You have to, if, if you're a fan or someone who's watching the game, you can't, other than the, the, the disappointment of, of the that the chance of them doing significant damage in October. I saw Brandon McCarthy, former big leaguer, tweeting like the other playoff teams are just hoping the Red Sox and, and Yankees get in because they don't yeah. want to deal with Toronto because they're a scary team now. And I think the most exciting thing is they're a scary team into the future as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and and uh, 
you know, again, it wasn't just the 91 wins. It was how they won them. I mean, they won some of them in just overpowering fashion and they had these unbelievable individual performances. But I, I always go back to, you know, people ask me, as I'm sure they did you at the beginning of the year, do you think they're going to make the playoffs? And I think what I said at the beginning of the year is they're going to have to play really well to make the playoffs because, and I'm not saying people forget this, but eight teams got in last year and only five got in this year. And that's a, that's an enormous difference. And had five gotten in last year, the Blue Jays wouldn't have been in. If eight had gotten in this year, the Blue Jays would have coasted into the playoffs. So, um, But five versus eight is a big difference. And the funny thing is we don't even know what it'll be next year because the CBA's up. And who knows if it'll be five or six or seven or eight. We have we have no idea. But I agree with you. The arrows are pointing up. And even if Simeon and Ray don't come back, I am 110% convinced the front office is going to pour that money into a couple of other guys or a few other guys. Um, I think uh, the front office's mindset right now is all in, push all the chips into the middle of the table, you know, and they've been pushing a lot of chips into the middle of the table the last couple of years. But at this point, you've got to look at the contending window as wide open. Now, you know what you have in Vladdy, in Bo, in Teoscar, I think in Manoa, in Romano, like, again, we may all think we knew all this stuff seven months ago, but we didn't. And and I believe that they, they know now. Here's what we have. Here's what we need. And it's pretty obvious what they need. It's not a lot of mystery, the three or four things that they need uh, in order to, to get better. And, and I think they will get better. You know, the problem is they, they still play in the same playground next year. They're still in the American League East. And I don't know if it's going to be any easier next year than it was this year. And, you know, you can sit there and say, well, if they hadn't played in Dunedin and Buffalo or if Springer hadn't gotten hurt. And there's some validity to all of that. But I, I, that's that's uh, that'll drive you to insanity, I think, if you play that game too much. So, um, I, I mean, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm melancholy about it. I mean, even if they, even if Boston had lost yesterday, and the Blue Jays went to Fenway tonight and got blown out, I think it feels different because they lost it on the field. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I understand they won one fewer game than Boston or New York, so in effect, they did lose it on the field, just not on the last day of the season. But I, I think it would have felt different if there had been an element of controlling your own destiny um, uh, on the on the last day of the season. And we've never seen a day like that before. But um, I, I choose to look forward and think that the future is really bright and that the next four years or whatever the window is are, are going to be very exciting. You talked about a lot about unexpected and surprise, not, uh, big performances, you know, the one thing I was thinking about was they hit so many home runs. You had to get pretty deep into the home run call bag. There were there were a lot of different ways to call home runs because it's coming from every, from one to eight. Yeah, I, I don't know like what but what Danny Jansen finished the season at, but I mean just an, not a murderer's row, but just so many guys. It, was there one performance that that a guy that 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 performed at a level that that you if in March or even in June you would say I this guy's going to finish the season at this performing at this level. If you had told me Marcus Simeon would have hit 45 home runs, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I would have, I would have put everything I had on the under. I, I mean, the the season he had wasn't good; it was insanely good on, on a number mm-hmm. of levels. Um, it's the it's the most uh, you you know all of what I'm about to say. It's the most home runs ever hit by a second baseman. It's like the fifth most home runs ever hit by a Blue Jay. The guy played in every single game with one unfortunate exception, played incredible defense at second base, was 15 for 16 stealing bases, and was as good a leader, everybody says, as you could ever hope to find. I mean, you talk about getting your money's worth out of a one-year $18 million deal. So I thought Simeon would be 
maybe not quite at his 2019 level. There was a lot of evidence to suggest he would be better than 2020, but mm -hmm. I didn't expect uh, what he did this year. So that's the first one. Uh, you know, Vladdy, as soon as they got to Dunedin and you heard and saw that he had lost a lot of weight and, you know, you got excited. Everybody gets excited about everything that Vladdy does. So um, I was curious if Teoscar could do it over 162. And he did. I mean, a little bit different than, you know, a little more average, a little less power, but still a, a fantastic year. Um, but uh, but I think the one guy is is Simeon. I, I thought he'd be you know, 25 to 30 homers and maybe a, an 800, 825 OPS guy. I don't know what he finished at, 880 or 890, something like that. And um, I can't remember exactly, but I, I thought he he was one of the best players in baseball. And I hope he finishes third in MVP. I think he deserves to finish third in MVP, but I'm afraid that a non-playoff team won't get second and third and there'll be some votes splitting between the, him and Vladdy and Simeon will wind up fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that. But um, I, I mean, he was, he was his... I don't even want to call him steady because he was incredible, but he did it over 162 games. And I thought he was just a, a revelation. And, and I, I hope like hell they can bring him back. I don't know if they can, but I hope they can. It would, it, it, he offers so much, I think. And uh, the ability, even, you know, playing 162, he didn't play all the games at second base. You know, he's able to slide yeah. for someone who can hit like that to be able to slide over and play shortstop in a pinch. You know, you're just so far ahead of the game because you're not going down into the into the uh, you know the the barrels of Triple uh, A and finding anyone who can do it. I mean, Santiago Espinal is a nice luxury to have, but the difference between a guy like Simeon and a guy like and a guy like him is huge. And you know, just like you said, 2019, it's okay for guys to have career years. So this guy's yeah. 28. It's like he had a career year. That's awesome. To expect that of him is not fair. But then he comes out and has an even better year. Uh, yeah. You know, I. He set himself up for a really, really significant payday, which, you know, uh, there are some big questions that are now looming over this team about what are they going to do with Simeon? What are they going to do with Ray? Even Steven Matz, I don't, I think that that's, that's a, I think a lot, I, maybe I'm editorializing, but like there's a lot of um, hoping that there's another kind of Robbie Ray repeat with Steven Matz. Like, well, you, it was nice here. You got along and now we can, fill, uh, we, you can, you can stay and be comfortable. But right. maybe Robbie or Stephen Matz pitched himself out of that sort of one-year pillow contract. So, yeah. you know, of the of the of the kind of those big questions, which which is the one that you think maybe you'd like to see them get done first? If the, if you had to prioritize those big questions for the offseason. So initially, if you forced me to choose Ray or Simeon, they're only going to re-sign one. Who's it going to be? Originally, I was on uh, I was on the Ray train um, because it is so hard to find. Uh, a top of the rotation kind of guy. And it's so hard to find a top of the rotation guy, a pitcher who wants to pitch in the American League East and is coming to Toronto. It's easier to trade or develop, trade for or develop those guys than sign those guys. And if they don't sign Robbie Ray, and if they don't get Kevin Gosman, who are they going to get? I, I don't know who they're going to get. And they've got Barrios and, and Ryu and Manoa, and they got a couple of question marks. And as we all know, you need six, seven, and eight to get you through a season. So initially, I was like, they got to get Ray. They got to get Ray. They got to get Ray. But over the last month or so, I've kind of flipped and said, if they can only get one, I, I totally believe Simeon, I mean, can he do this again? I don't know. But can he be 85, 90% of this? I don't think there's any reason not to that the guy did not come up as a first round pick bonus baby. I've got all the talent in the world. The guy came up and did work and he got better and better and better over the course of his career. Um, and I believe in that. And I'm not saying Robbie Ray hasn't done that, obviously, but I, I I'm all in on every intangible that Marcus Simeon has. Um, 
And when I saw Bo Bichette last night get a little bit emotional when he was asked about Simeon and just kind of gurgle out, he meant everything to me or whatever the word, whatever the sentence was, something along those lines. How can you put a price tag on that? That and and I wasn't around the team all year, obviously, because of COVID. But every time I was around the team and I saw Simeon, Bichette was three feet behind him, like just trailing wherever Marcus was going, Bo was going. And I think there's a lot of value there. So the issue, I think, and this is getting uh, this might be silly. This might be the tail wagging the dog. But if you bring Simeon back, I don't think they would just give the third base job to Espinal. And I don't think they're just going to give it to Biggio. And I don't know if they're even content platooning there. So what do you do? Again, I think it's important that the pieces fit. And I think there's a trade coming. Um, I think some names that people have gotten pretty attached to are going to get dealt this winter in order, whether it's to get a left-handed bat or a starting pitcher or a late-inning reliever. I, I don't know who, but I think a trade's coming. I would love to have Simeon back, but if you get Simeon back, then I don't, you, you know, I don't think they're going out and trying to get Jose Ramirez in a trade anymore. There's only there are only so many resources and only so much money. So um, I still think I, I would prefer Simeon locking him up. But boy, if they don't get Ray, they got to go out. They got to find some starting pitching because they got three. And we don't know if Ryu is in decline or if the last two months were just a blip and, and he'll be better. So I think they need a guy they can put up there near the top of the rotation. And the other guy can be like a Steven Matz type. Let's let's see if we can make him work at at five and all that. But the, as you know, there's not a lot sitting there at Buffalo ready to be six, seven, eight right now. So um, I don't know what the budget is. Uh, I'm not privy to that information, but. Um, I think if I had to pick one, I would pick Simeon. I, I, I think I'm a little more in on Simeon being able to get close to these numbers again over the next four or five years, which is what you'd have to give him, than a pitcher, even one as good as Robbie Ray. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. One thing I'll say, well, a couple things. Number one, uh, Marcus Simeon has a skill that is we've already discussed, which is he played 162 games this year, and that's something that he has come very close to or done many times Anytime. in the past. And and when you sign George Springer, you know when you sign George Springer that he's not going to play 162 games. That's not that's just not what you're paying for. Yeah. But with Simeon, it is, and there's a lot of value in that in that health as a skill sort of mantra. The other thing I think that. If you do, as you've suggested, and sign Marcus Simeon to be a middle infielder, maybe you could do some, spend some time. I mean, it gets complicated if you're going to move him to short and move him back to second, whatever. If he's good to play second base, but you're going to probably have to pay him shortstop money. 
it does free up some of those prospect that prospect capital that you have those guys that are maybe a little bit further from the big leagues guys that have a little bit of helium and then you can start to make some of those moves attach a big uh, you broke my heart by saying no jose ramirez though i'm not gonna lie to you but uh, <laughs> but uh, but you then you start to have those moves and 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 maybe maybe the kevin gosman or something but you know whoever is next year's version of jose barrios who's a guy who's two years from free agency that you can right. trade you know those other pieces for to just to just keep that ball rolling because you know you've you've already mentioned the the window, but I don't get the sense that that's that's the way that this this front office works. I don't think that they're thinking like once we get you know three years from now when Vladdy and Bo are getting ready to go to free agency, we're going to blow it up and go back and lose ninety five games again. That doesn't seem like the mo- their their mo at all. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's hard for me to to predict that. Um, I mean, sometimes if you want to go literally go all in to try to win a championship, you do have to give up a lot of the future. And then you inevitably have to rebuild a little bit because you've traded away a lot of your best prospects. And, and, but I think 99 out of a hundred blue Jay fans, maybe a hundred out of a hundred blue Jay fans would sign up for that. And whether it's a Groshans or an Arelvis Martinez, I'm not going to put Gabriel Moreno in there because I think he's in a separate category and I think he's got to be on the team and he's got to be on the team pretty soon. But, um, I, I think they are willing to deal more of their better prospects um, in an effort to capitalize on the on the on the Vladian bow window. And, and they're both free agents after we shouldn't even have this conversation because it'll depress people. But they're both free agents after <laughs> 2025, I believe, four more years until they are free agents. And if it were my toy to play with, I would say. Let's do everything we can to win a championship or two. And we'll figure out 26 when we get to 26. Now, as you know, if you go back two, three years, the messaging from Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins wasn't always like that, but they were at a different stage. But now after we've seen the Ryu signing and the Springer signing and the Simeon signing, and even the trade for Ray, the trade for Taiwan Walker, the trade for Barrios, like their actions are speaking volumes right now. They're they're in it to win it. So I, I don't think there should be any concern um, that they're not going to go out and try. And, and I think we'll see them pivot too. And this, this to me is um, is kind of an underappreciated thing or, or underpublicized thing maybe. So like they wanted Michael Brantley they, and they got really close to Michael Brantley. And when they mm-hmm. didn't get Michael Brantley, you know what they did? They got Marcus Simeon. That's like, I don't think Marcus Simeon's a Blue Jay if Michael Brantley's a Blue Jay. Um, and so I think they're ready to pivot. So the Jose Ramirez thing is interesting to me. I think they want them. I don't know. I don't know that. I've never asked anybody. I make it a policy of mine not to ask anybody anything because I am I am so happy being in the dark and just calling baseball games and in you know in that little vacuum. But mm-hmm. I, I think they'd love to get Jose Ramirez, and you couldn't pick a perfect guy. No disrespect to your uh, your affection for Joey Gallo, you couldn't pick a better guy to be on this team in my mind than, than Jose Ramirez. Switch hitter can play second and third. You can hit him two. You can hit him three. You know you can break up all those righties. At the top of the at the top of the order, but it it feels to me like if they get Simeon, maybe they don't go after Ramirez. If they don't get Simeon, they do go after Ramirez. I'm not sure. I'd love to see all of them. Like imagine Teoscar hitting sixth in the lineup because you've got Ramirez plus all the guys you mm-hmm. had this year. But I, I don't know that it's going to happen. I'm a little worried about what they do if they don't get a guy like Ramirez. Like is Kyle Seager coming over because he's a free agent and a left-handed batter and I'm not sure that's what they're looking for right now. But third base to me is something they got to figure out. Uh, it's you know, Simeon's probably one and Ray is one A, but they got to figure out third base and what they want to do with Biggio and Espinal. And 
in my mind, I would love the bench next year to be whoever the catcher is that isn't playing, Biggio and Espinal, and a legitimate center fielder. Not a like not a star, uh, a Jake Marisnik type of guy, like a legitimate somebody to go and catch it. Somebody to go uh, yeah, get someone it. who can go catch the ball because Springer's going to DH some and Springer's going to play right field some and Springer's 32 years old. And he's going to be, be a hell of a yeah. bench and Biggio mm-hmm. and Espinal may be asked to do more than that. And that's fine. But that's what I would love to see. Like there were some days when I was filling out my scorecard and writing down the bench that Charlie had. And I was like, there's not a lot here. There's three guys and two of them aren't even any good. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of lineup where you don't pinch hit a lot, but I, I would love to see, again, the pieces of the puzzle fit a little bit more where you're not playing Joe Panic in left field. And, you're, you know, they had some ugly stuff the last couple of years. So I, I'm hoping it's not just let's go out there and buy the numbers that I think I'm very big on the pieces of the puzzle have to fit. And I think this is the off season to make sure that happens. They have to upgrade. Uh, you know, they won 91 games, which is great, but they they are have designs on winning 94, 95, 96, yeah. 100, right? Yeah. And 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 while Santiago Espinal sort of in a pinch did an incredible job realistically. I don't, no one ever thought he would hit like this and yeah. the way that he hit, I don't think is something that you're going to be like, I'm going to bet on him, you know, being a whatever 290 kind of hitter as he was this year again. Um and he but he played terrific defense, but that's a thing where if you can get a better third baseman, mm-hmm. someone who is an everyday guy, like who maybe is a switch hitter, who maybe is an even better defensive third baseman, who may become coming over from the Cleveland organization, as an example, <laughs> that is a significant upgrade. And that's when you can then continue to do that work around the diamond. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about your experience, the experience of calling these games this year. You talked a little bit about... You know, you started out the season and everyone see you. You're in the you were in Tim and Sid's studio there, and then you're remote, and then the next thing you know, you're you're right there in the thick of it in, in the in the Rogers Center. And I think that a the challenge what what were some of the challenges of, of make of, of calling the games remotely, and then just the reverse of that, just how it seemed like it was really flowing there at the end of the season. That yeah. Yankee that Yankee series, you could you could hear it in your voice, and you could yeah. hear it in the stadium as well. That everyone, everybody was having a good time. So the last year and a half have been obviously, and for everybody in a million different ways, unlike any other. So whenever I, whatever I'm about to say about challenges is obviously within the framework of as a broadcaster in our little, you know, in our little fun corner of the uh, of the universe. Here, there are a million bigger things going on. But so yeah, last year Buck and I did all the games from the Tim and Sid studios. So we were together, but we were remote from the team. And uh, I had only maybe twice in my life called games off a monitor before. That was like a FIBA, the FIBA Americas tournament I did back in 2015, where I didn't go to Mexico. And it it took some getting used to. And it was one of those things where you don't know what you don't know until you go through it. And a thing like a runner trying to steal second base, that's an easy thing to see and a fun thing to see at the ballpark. On a monitor, it's like, you call the pitch and then you see the catcher throw down. And that's when you realize the guy was trying to steal second base. Okay. How do I fix that? How do I anticipate that? And we did have other camera angles, which you probably heard us refer to every now and again, we had what was called an all nine camera, which is exactly what it sounds like high above home plate shooting down on the field. And that was where we could see um, if a runner was trying to steal or score from second was the infield in was the shift on so you had the program monitor over here and the all nine over here and the bullpen cameras down there and you just, your muscle memory got used to it. So this year, 
you know, going into the season, as you'll remember, you know, we didn't know where they going to go to Dunedin, right to Toronto, Dunedin to Buffalo to Toronto, Dunedin to Buffalo, and maybe never even get to Toronto. We had no idea. So at the beginning, I was road game guy because I was in Canada and I wasn't leaving Canada. Buck lives in Florida and Tabby's in Ohio. So Tabby was free to go around the U.S. as he pleased. So uh, I was road game guy at the beginning. It could have been with Buck. It could have been with Tabby. Um, each of them has a setup in their home. And I was at uh, the Sportsnet studio with our statisticians, Carson. So I was in front, front of a bunch of big monitors, pretty cool man cave kind of situation calling the games. Uh, and that's what we did. Then they went to Buffalo and we were all remote. None of us were in Buffalo. And then when they came to Toronto, um, again, because I'm local, we just flipped home and road and I became Roger Center guy with, you know, because I'm here. And, and I'll tell you, Drew, that July 30th, that first game against Kansas City, being able to be in the ballpark for that was really emotional for a lot of people. The, um, the players, the Charlie was crying. Uh, a lot of people on our crew were, watched that ceremony, and there's nobody more jaded in the world than people in sports television. But we were all <laughs> we were all like choking up and tearing a little bit, and and we all felt the emotion, you know. And I I grew up in this city, like I was I was there April seventh, seventy seven. I I you know I get this, and and they were away. Uh, the team was away for two years, and part of it was I felt happy for the players. Part of it was I felt happy for the fans. Um, you know, part of it was I hadn't been in a ballpark in 18 months and I was just excited to go to a ballpark. So by the end of the year, getting a chance to do games at home was really exciting. And then when you add in, you know, the games like they had against Oakland, when Guriel hit the grand slam and Simeon walked it off the Yankee series, like the first, the first game, the first few innings of the first game. And then the whole second game of the Yankee series felt like a playoff series. It really, mm -hmm. really did. And I had a bunch of people say to me, you know, you're usually kind of about here. You're pretty level. You're pretty consistent. But like you were up a couple notches in that series. And it, it was just fun, man. It was just fun being in the ballpark. And, and I really have gotten a ton of enjoyment this year out of knowing how much the fans love this team. Um, because teams can be lovable to different degrees and for different reasons. But this is there's not a bad guy in that clubhouse. And and. You know, you tell me, like, we would take that shot of Guriel and Vladdy and Teoscar down at the end of the dugout. I couldn't get enough of it. I would say put it on 50 times a game. Look how much fun they're having and people are eating this up. And um, I, I just thought it was really fun and really exciting. And they were in it right in, up until 162. And it's it, it's the most exciting regular season baseball that I've ever done. And in many ways, it, it felt like I was doing playoffs. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. It's not unfair to say that those were playoff games, right? Other than what it said on the ticket, that was a playoff game, right? Yeah. That series against the Yankees, which obviously didn't go the way the, in the, the Blue Jays' way, and it came on the heels of that Red Sox-Yankees series in, in Boston. That was the exact same. Like, that was as close to a playoff series as you're going to get. But I think that I'd love to – my thought, my conspiracy – not conspiracy theory, but – the atmosphere at the Rogers Center was so incredible because there were only Blue Jays fans there. Yes. Because the usual kind of influx of, of Yankees fans or Red Sox fans or whoever would have been making over, making it over the border, they weren't there. And it just and and it just is the. It reminds me of when I one of the best atmospheres I ever saw was the 2009 World Baseball Classic with Canada and the U.S. because it was like. The people that were there, they went out of their way. They're like, I got to go to this game and watch it right now. And it just really, really added something. The other thing I think, too, and I'd love, I want to know what you think. Roof open all the time, unless it has to be closed. All the time. Let's, I, let's make it, ha- it was because of COVID this year. Let's make it a thing. Um, and it was chilly on a couple of nights, but it's just, um, you know, if you go back to all the games, the roof was open, which I think was every one but the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. We would start the show every single night with kind of that low, I think it's low third base, looking up, seeing the CN Tower kind of through the netting behind the plate or whatever it was. Um, it's a gorgeous shot. It's an absolutely gorgeous shot. And and, and I agree with you. I, I don't know. It's probably noisier with the roof closed, but I don't care. Keep the roof open unless you have to unless you have to close the roof. And, and I agree with you, the 15,000 and then the 30,000 who were there really wanted to be there. And for many of them, it was probably the first game or games. Uh, obviously, they've been to uh, two since um, since 2019. Um, I'm sure they were uh, hydrated very, very well. They were, <laughs> loud. they were having the time of their lives. Um, and, and it was great. It's so sterile. For, again, just from the silly broadcaster's point of view, it's sterile to call a game from a studio. You don't really hear the crowd. You don't, you know, the effects in your headset can be it's just different. And to be there and to see it and to feel it and to, you know, to soak it in, it makes it a hundred times more exciting. And, and, uh, I'm thrilled they got home. I th- I'm thrilled they gave everybody, um, you know, the, the excitement that they did. And, you know, it was interesting just in the last few days, Charlie got very vocal about how tough it was in Dunedin and Buffalo. I don't think he wanted to be disrespectful to anybody. And I understand that because a lot of people put a lot of work in to make Dunedin and Buffalo be the best that it can be. And that shouldn't be forgotten. But they played the Phillies, Red Sox, Yankees, Braves, and Rays, I believe, in, in Dunedin. And they were the road team, effectively, for all of mm-hmm. those games. And they were the road team against the Yankees and the Red Sox in Buffalo. And, and I remember shots like Vladdy popping up in Buffalo and jogging back to the dugout. And you could see fans in the first few rows standing up and like yelling at them because they were Yankee fans, like you know, overrated or whatever they were yelling. I mean, that's hard, man. You know, like, and, and again, I, they're making a lot of money and they're flying on charters and I understand all that, but it's hard. They didn't have a home until they got here July 30th. 
and I don't think it's a, a coincidence that they went, whatever that was, 25 and 11 or 26 and 11 when they got back here. You know, part of me thinks next year is going to be one of those years where we'll look at individual numbers and they'll all be, you know, 5% down, 10% down. But we'll look up at the end of the year and they'll have 98 wins or something like that. Again, because they'll just, they they went through a lot this year. And I think they learned a lot this year. And I think it's going to make them a stronger, tougher, better team going forward. Dan, I don't want to take too much, any, I don't want to take any more of your time. You've been more than generous. I really appreciate it. So what, where can the people find you where what where can they hear you in the next uh, coming weeks if if they're looking for baseball or basketball so i am uh for espn radio i do the baseball playoffs every year i'm uh, the luckiest guy alive this year will be my 11th world series that i have done for espn radio so i'm starting off um you know insert your your the sound effect here as i say this i'm starting off at the trop i'm on the rays and whomever for the division series which means had the blue jays you know gotten to the division series, I'd have been on a Blue Jays series for ESPN Radio. But so I have the Rays division series, then the ALCS, then the um, then the World Series. And ESPN Radio is one of these things you can find in a bunch of different places. I'm probably not able to tell you exactly where to do that, but my 85-year-old dad can get it on the app here in Toronto, so it's doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I get a few days off, and then I get into college basketball world. So I'm starting. Uh, it makes me feel very old. It's my 27th year calling college basketball for ESPN um, and I'm here, there, and everywhere. The schedule is just being sorted out right now, but uh, I usually start with the Champions Classic, which is a great doubleheader. I'll be at Madison Square Garden November the 9th, I think it is. And um, and that's kind of the beauty of it is my last game is always the ACC tournament, March 13th, 14th, or whatever. And if the world's in a good place, I'd love to get on a, an airplane from wherever the tournament is, go right down to Florida, spend a couple of weeks at spring training. That's, that's really what I'm hoping for is that we uh, – we're reasonably close to back to normal next year. Here's hoping. Now, the last thing I'll ask you is when you are covering the World Series, which two teams are you going to cover this year, do you well, think? Well, I, I'm one thing I am excellent at is being wrong. So I will give you uh, <laughs> my teams and, and you can go from there. I am. Uh, I think I will go. See, the Dodgers are in a funny place because I'm convinced they're the best team in baseball, but they're going to have to beat the Cardinals just to get to the Giants. So, But I, I'm still going to – I'll be boring and I'll say the Dodgers. Um, American League's wide open. I don't think it's the Yankees or Red Sox. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a – I don't see that. I, I think it might be the Astros this year. Um, say what you will about the Astros and the trash cans and all that, and, and remember Springer is on the Blue Jays when you say what you will about the Astros, but – they're one through six, man. Uh, they are they are talented and experienced and mentally tough and consistent. And and their young pitching got them to the ALCS last year, and they're all a year older and wiser right now. So uh, I'll go Dodgers and Astros. I think the Astros are the team to beat in the American League as well. Yeah. Um, you know, loathe the Rays as I do. I, I do kind of admire the way of putting pressure and not making mistakes, mm-hmm. but I think It'll be interesting to see if that works against good teams, you know, which the Astros certainly are. Give if, if those two teams have a chance to play off, but to, yeah. to face off, where the 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 pressure that they have, the, the Rays with their running and just exploiting mistakes. If the Astros don't make any, I don't think the Rays are going to have enough offense to uh, to get by. Yeah, and I know they're you know they always use pitching differently than everybody else, but starting pitching is still nice, and they have some you know McClanahan and Boz. They have some incredible young arms. But they have a totally different starting rotation than they did last year. And it's incredible that they won 98, 99, whatever they won. 100. 100. It's incredible they won 100. 
you know, with uh, this guy leaving, that guy getting hurt, that guy getting traded. I mean, it's a, you know, and, and all I know this is the uh, the company that sponsors uh, pitching changes uh, for ESPN Radio, which is uh, typically Geico. They get their money's worth on Rays games. I say Geico a lot on a Rays game uh, in the playoffs because it's the fourth inning and here comes Kevin Cash and, and over and over and over. But um, love them or loathe them. They know what they are. They know what they feel they have to do to win games. And they've been doing it as well as anybody in the American league for a long time now. But, um, I, I think the Astros will get past them this year and, um, and, uh, set up a pretty interesting world series. They won hundred games this year. All we needed for them to do was to win 101. And then you and I would not be doing a blue Jays postmortem. We would be doing a blue Jays playoff preview, I know. but either way, Dan, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time. It means a lot. Uh, you're welcome. Have a, a good offseason. Let's hope uh, spring training gets here pretty quickly. All right. I want to say thank you so much to Dan. Again, I was kind of fanboying at the little bit at the beginning, but I think that was really, that, it was a great chat. And, and again, um, so much to look forward to for Blue Jays fans and also so much to reflect on what was a very, very exciting and amazing, if ultimately disappointing in its own way, season. But so thanks to Dan. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to you for listening and coming with us on this first season of Spin Right. I, I had a great time, and I hope that you got something out of it as a, as a listener, and I hope if you checked us out and you liked it, and if you came on at the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, here at the end of the season, we'd love to have you. We'll be back all winter long talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. So enjoy the playoffs if you can. If you can't, I get that. We'll be back to talk more Toronto Blue Jays with you on Spin Rate.